This is the None of Your Business Podcast. Thank you for joining today. I'm your host, Robert DeLude, and it is my mission to bring you inspiring stories for entrepreneurs, businessmen and women, students, coaches, or anyone else who is crushing it in life and doing kick-ass things. We all go through personal struggles. It doesn't matter what our background is, but we can overcome them and accomplish anything. And I want to show you how. Thank you for joining me today. Now let the show begin. All right, guys. So today I have Mary Bellas. She is an award-winning author. She is a parenting expert topic in bilingualism, biculturalism, multiculturalism. She's an influencer. She's a speaker. She hosts the Mama 411 podcast. She's been featured in the Huffington Post and many more. Uh, you know, today we really talk about uh, being different in a whole new environment. We talk about the struggles of not being access to the information um, of biculturalism and bilingualism or other areas. Going out and doing the research yourself. Uh, We talk about opportunities. We talk about life. We We just get into it, guys. We just really dig deep. And I really hope you guys find... Inspiring message out of this because I know I did. Um, yeah, I, I a lot of new perspectives I saw after uh, this interview, and I want to thank you for that. So please go on to Apple Podcast, go rate and review this on Stitcher or wherever else you listen to this too. Um, tag so take a screenshot, tag me Robert Delude, and tag. Latina Boomer Mom on Instagram, <clears throat> excuse me, on Instagram, and hashtag Inspiration Nation because that's what you guys are, my listeners, our listeners. You are Inspiration Nation. It's because of you guys that we keep growing, keep building, keep inspiring. So go do that. Let us know that you're listening, and uh, you know, hope you guys enjoy the show. I just wanted to ask you if you could just share this to somebody that you might think that needs to hear this or maybe a new parent or maybe someone struggling in a biculturalism household um, and let them know that you care. Let them know that you just want to help. Let them know that there are more options available out there that you don't need to try and do it by yourself now today you can reach out for help and uh you're not alone so anyways let's get back to the episode three all right so welcome so who are you what do you do <laughs> uh, my name is Maritere Velas. Uh, my friends call me Mari for obvious reasons. I don't think everybody can say my full name unless you speak Spanish. Um, but I am an award-winning author. Um, I am an expert, a parenting topic expert on uh, all things, all things parenting, especially as it relates to multilingualism and multiculturalism. And um, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. I moved to California when I was 21. I came here to get my master's degree in communications. And, you know, as luck would have it, I met the love of my life uh, or the person I was supposed to be with. And uh, we've been married for 35 years. We raised two children, uh, a young man and a young daughter. Uh, My son is going to be 30. Oh, my God. In like... 
four weeks or five weeks. I can't believe that I'm going to have a 30 year old uh, and our daughter just turned 27 and they were raised with three cultures and two languages. Um, I think that because I grew up speaking and being fluent in English and in Spanish, um, having gone to uh, a school in Puerto Rico where we had to speak English to our teachers. Um, I was completely bilingual by the time I was, I graduated from high school. Um, then I had the opportunity to go to Europe for my first two years of college. And I think it was then that I realized the value of being multilingual. There was all these little kids and even adults around me that were speaking two or three languages. And I'm like, oh my gosh, why don't we all do this? Uh, so I think it was then that I became an advocate for multilingualism. And, you know, coming back, ending up in California, um, I was able to use my Spanish when I first started, you know, having been fluent in, in both languages, use my Spanish when it, you know, first uh, started becoming more popular for businesses. Uh, when I was uh, going for, uh, applying for, for jobs at PR agencies or um, at corporations, uh, they were very intrigued that I was fluent in um, in Spanish and English, and not necessarily the language only, but the fact that I was bicultural and multicultural because I had that experience when I was in Europe. So, uh, so award-winning author, uh, advocate of multilingualism and multiculturalism, uh, a mom, a wife. Uh, a good friend, uh, you name it, I can do it. You know, right women, on. we all have all these hats that we wear. I love it. I love it. Right on. So you moved, you said that you moved uh, to California what, when you're 22? I was 21, yeah. 21. Okay. And so, like, coming to the States and living in Puerto Rico, like, well, coming to California from living in Puerto Rico, like, how was the transition for you? You know, it's interesting that you asked me that uh, because honest to God, I never felt different anywhere else until I got here uh, to California. And um, I, I, it, was, it, was a, it was a struggle. It was, um, I felt I, I was different. Like people saw me as different and I didn't understand why. Uh, so. It took me a while to adjust um, and and to feel like I was part of a community or you know I was being accepted. Um, I think I think the struggle or the the way I, it, it was it happened. I was bilingual. I was fluent in writing, reading, and speaking in Spanish and in English. And so when I applied to these jobs that they were looking for in those days it was hispanic it wasn't called latino um hispanic jobs um i had to compete with ladies that or gentlemen that perhaps were not fluent in spanish but they were of spanish descent and you know immediately there was that um you know, that, I don't know if we would call it jealousy or that, you know, I, I was made to feel different because of that or like, well, you're not part of us and wait, you know, you're coming here being fluent and you, you know, getting my job here and there. Or, so I think that that was really hard. Um, you know, I, I was a nice person. I was educated. I thought I brought a lot to the table and I, I didn't understand why, um, I was made feel different or mm -hmm. that I had to explain myself. No, I didn't come from, you know, I, I, I didn't come here illegally. I, I have a passport and it, you know, I just, there was a lot of explanations that I had to do that I had to give that I just, I was surprised about that. Yeah. Even, even the American or the English dominant, uh, people that I was meeting in, in school because I ended up at school, you know, I was, I was here to get my master's degree. 
I had to explain a lot. Like I felt like they didn't know a lot about Puerto Rico at all or the Caribbean at all. Mm-hmm. Like I had to do a, I had to do a lot of explaining, I guess. Um, and that was, it made me feel different. Sometimes it made me feel like frustrated and sad and isolated and like, you know, Hey, I'm just, just a person, you know, when you get to know me and then you have, you know, reserved your judgment. I just, I felt judged. Mm-hmm. Were you being judged by like all different types of, uh, races? Yep. Okay. Yep. Even the Hispanic race. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because that's... I felt like, you know, they saw me as, oh, well, you're not, and I can say it. I mean, to this day, it, that only lasted very little. And some of the women, uh, especially women, um, but some of the women I met then are still my friends today. I adore them. They've been part of my life for the last 30 years. But at the beginning, um, there were people I met that made me feel, well, you know, what are you doing here? You know, kind of thing. So, so it was, it was, um, it was hard. You know, I wasn't Mexican enough or or at all. First of all, I wasn't Mexican American either. Mm -hmm. And so I had to kind of like, I felt I had to prove myself and I didn't like that. I, Mm -hmm like why we're all the same why don't you get to know me and then um you know tell me what you think instead of immediately you know it's like first impression is like you don't even know me and you're already putting me down Mm -hmm. is there like anything that you could tell like somebody now who might be experiencing something similar to what you went through to help them Uh, Yeah, just, you know, I was young and naive and inexperienced and I would cry a lot. Uh, And, you know, luckily I had my husband who is three years older than me. He was, uh, uh, he's my rock. And um, I remember one time he, you know, he said to me, let me, let me write down the 10 things why this person is acting that way or that way. You know, you're Mm -hmm. this, that, and the other, and you know, you just don't worry about it. Uh, Just be yourself, always be yourself. And that's what I would tell my younger self now that I'm more mature. Uh, I said, Mm -hmm. just take it one day at a time, you know, continue being yourself. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. Just, you know, uh, be yourself. Right, we're always like for me, I'm was all, always constantly like worrying about like what people might think of me, and I'm like, I couldn't even imagine going through something like that. Um, just always tr- like being different in a different country in a different environment, it's would like it's pretty incredible that people like can actually do that. <laughs> like, yeah. I, so I lived in Vegas last year and like, I live in Helena, Montana. Like we are a white Christian male dominant area. So like going into a, going into Las Vegas where like my hometown is 30,000 people and the next town over is two hours away. Oh God. How did you handle that? Uh, it was, it was interesting. There was a lot of fear. (laughs) Like I basically just like, stayed inside my home like you know everyone was like very friendly and right it just it was up like going from a big city to like where it was a requirement to speak spanish i'm like i probably should have learned spanish in high school but (laughs) i didn't like it's just not how it is up here like in bozeman there's more californians coming up here we call it boz angeles um it's just it's turning into a mini la um and they are starting another Hollywood up here too. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, I said, I forgot exactly what set it was, but some wild West um, is identical. One wild West uh, scene or not scene. Um, uh, why can't I think of the name set? There we go. Set um, is identical to one that's in LA. It's in outside Bozeman now. So um, anyways, so <clears throat> you are an author. 
an award-winning author. What? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> well, no, no, not uh, what does that mean? But what books have you read? Uh, not read. What books have you wrote? Uh, so I started. Um, let me just tell you a little bit about that journey. Um, I have a master's degree in communications. I started working in public relations. My minor is in journalism. So I knew. I always kind of knew that I wanted to write, and. Um, when my children were born, um, you know, I had to deal with trying to balance the different cultures and the different languages. And there were in those days, not at all the resources that parents have today to, you know, raise children with, you know, multiple languages and, and, and multiple cultures. There were really no resources. And I go to the libraries around here, closer to where I live, and I couldn't find any books available. And I had um, finished uh, a job at La Opinion newspaper, which was the Spanish language, the largest Spanish language newspaper in the country at the time, uh, for, for the longest time, it could still be. Um, and I developed a friendship with um, the owner of the, the newspaper and she and at the time she was the editor then she ended up becoming the publisher but i called her up one day and she was having kids at the same time i was and i'm like you know monica there's really no information for parents out there unless you go to the doctor's office and there's this little you know magazine called ser padres which is you know parents um and they were free copies but if you are not going to the uh, pediatrician you wouldn't get them Mm -hmm. So she's like, why don't you write it? So I became the voice, if you will, of, um, of the parents and immigrant parents here in LA. And then they were um, sending my column to Chicago and you know, other parts of the United States. Oh, wow. um, and basically, I would be the one going to the library or going to and get, gathering information, talking to the experts. And so every time I wrote a column, um, you, you know, you read about what was going on with my kids, depending on the, you know, on whatever was happening that week. But I would also include the facts and the, what the psychology or the psychiatrist or some, you know, the teacher, some expert. So that when the parent read it, they had a little bit of a lot of information there, uh, depending on the topic, whether it was sibling rivalry um, you know, how to deal with the two languages at home, how to balance, um, you know, three different cultures, which was what was happening to me. And, and for a lot of these parents, they were trying to balance two cultures. So that's how it all started, my writing uh, in, in, in that direction. And like I said, the, the column also um, was published in Chicago for five years. And, and I started writing for national magazines that were directed to the immigrant parent or the expat parent that was coming from you know south south america or spain or you know some some spanish language country and um and so little by little i had this idea that i wanted to write a book and um i ended up going to a conference in new york a writers conference where i met um a few of the publishing houses and uh, and some uh, agents and I walked away with an agent that sold my manuscript idea to Simon and Schuster and uh, but they put that manuscript on hold and they asked me to write a book for them that was all about language because the book that I the manuscript I proposed was more about the multiculturalism mm -hmm. it still had a a chapter in there about language but um i think at the time the book was published in 2013 there were a like the last seven to ten years there's been a lot of um, studies that have been coming out about the benefits and the advantages of multilingualism and i think that's where they got the idea so they asked me to write this book for them it's an ebook form uh, it took me eight, eight months to write it. It's in English and in Spanish. And 
in there, there's a whole lot of, you know, 101 tips, suggestions to parents on how to do it. And I also interview a lot of parents uh, that have been dealing with the same, you know, uh, raising the children with two or more languages, how they did it, what worked for them, what did not work for them, you know, and I was able to give the parents this tool uh, now in, you know, which is being promoted through social media and all that. And two years after that, I then self-published the book that I had originally set out to um, to publish, which is uh, it's called Arroz con Pollo and Apple Pie, Racing by Cultural Children. And that comes from, you know, anybody in the Hispanic Latino world know what Arroz con Pollo is and everybody knows what Apple Pie is. So, you know, you kind of, they can live together. You can find a balance in all that stuff. Okay. I, I like it. I like it. Um, and then last year I entered the bilingual children's book world. Um, I was asked by a company to write a, a book for them. So in right after, in the aftermath of Huracan uh, Maria uh, in my little island, uh, I came up with the story called Luisito's Island, La Isla de Luisito. And in that book, uh, little Luisito has to live uh, Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria with his family and he, he tells the story and he's, he talks about the things he misses from the island to his new friends here in the United States. So it's a cute little book and it got me excited about continuing writing for kids because there's a need out there for more bilingual and Spanish books. So I signed a contract with a, a publishing uh, house in um, Georgia called 1010 Publishing Thank you so much. And my next bilingual children's book is coming out in 2020. Right on. So <clears throat> what made you go from start writing children's books? Um, there was there is this organization called um, Read Comigo. It's a by it's a a project of Kemper Insurance. Uh, which is used to be called Infinity Insurance, and they have this initiative uh, trying to um, come up with um, bilingual and Spanish books, and they wanted these books to be free for whoever subscribes. It's a subscription-based um, organization, and they wanted uh, the families that subscribe to be able to get a book every so often, whether it's every couple of months or every four months, um, they send an ebook directly to the parents as like as a resource or as a tool. And the idea was for parents to read out loud to their kids. Uh, twice a year, I believe they do a physical book. So I wrote a physical book for them that is also in a um, in an ebook format. And the parents have to subscribe to the service. Uh, the good thing about me having this copy on hand is that whenever I go and talk to parents or you know talk to uh, book festivals or whatever, I can bring the book with me and give it out as a gift uh -huh. to, um, to the kids. Um, they asked me right after my Raising Bilingual Children book came out for parents, I kind of turned them down for uh, about a year or two years. And then I started, um, I wasn't sure. I wanted to, I had the idea of a series for a bilingual children's book, a series like three books in a row. Um, and I wanted to just concentrate on that. Right after Maria happened, they came back to me again and they said we really want you to write this book and i started thinking you know if i write this book for them all those families that they have over two hundred thousand families subscribed to this service so when my next book comes out all those families are going to know who i am and so that's why i said yes and uh, i it's been an amazing experience they are very supportive of my work and you know, we, we collab a lot. We do a lot of collabs because they happen to be in, uh, in Los Angeles, their headquarters. So they're always inviting me to come and you know, wherever they're going to 
take their little activation uh, system and you know they're going to book festivals book fairs i get to go as their author and i get to meet all these parents and you know sign all these books and stuff like that so it's kind of fun right on the first time you like got to go to an event and uh be you know the featured author and like sign these books like how was that that's pretty cool i you know when my um, when my parents' book, Arroz con Pollo and Apple Pie book, came out and I received the um, the box. And, you know, you open the box and you see everything you work for and, uh, you know, that. Um, it, it was pretty amazing. It, it was, it's, a, it's a great feeling to, to know that, you know, you put energy and effort into something and you know now it's in front of you and you can do it and you know when parents come to me and they say oh my gosh you know i have this issue uh, my child is in kindergarten he doesn't want to talk spanish anymore and you know you have this conversation and you can help them with whatever um tip you give them or suggestion it's it's pretty special um, and then, you know, they want to take your picture and they want to put you on, you know, on follow on your, on your, on their own feeds and, uh, in their social media. And it's, it's like, you know, wow, I, I never expected the social media, uh, to, you know, to be as big as it is and to have helped me market my books. Um, I had to learn it. I had no idea what a website was when my mm -hmm my first ebook came out yeah uh so you know it's it it was a whole new world for me uh in terms of marketing i yeah like for me it's just what i grew up with so i wouldn't I know, know any exactly. other way <laughs> so, yeah it's like honestly it blows my mind I'm like how did people market before like word of mouth obviously and word of mouth i still believe is the best kind of marketing I agree. Um, I agree. But like, it's just, it, it's really interesting the different, how they did it before and how it's now. I, I find it really, really interesting just on the business side. Um, but so you, you know, you've been featured in uh, article or I cannot talk this morning. I'm <laughs> sorry. You've been featured in the Huffington Post is what I'm trying to say. Uh, yeah, I started, I wrote for them a few times, um, especially the first couple of years that I was, uh, you know, trying to get out there and trying to get people to know, know who I was. Um, and that was really, really fun. They used to have um, a section for Latino writers. And then uh, there's also a section for, um, for parents, you know, parenting articles and stuff like that. So um it's it's pretty standard, you know, it's it's you don't get paid for that, but you get to put it on your you know, on all your work that you've been featured your work has been featured there and that you know, means the world to me. Yeah, uh, that I'm able to do that and I'm still able to do that and um so it's 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 great. It's it was a great opportunity and I'm so grateful um because it opened a lot of doors, especially my relationship with Simon and Schuster. Uh, if you know anything about um, about publishing, I mean they're pretty big, and uh, that opened a lot of doors for me. So I'm extremely grateful for them. Right on, right on. That's really cool. You, that's really cool. Um, <clears throat> that's and you've been featured in other magazines haven't you like the dual language schools the multicultural kids blog um the hip latina what what is that <laughs> hip latina i wrote for them for a while um hip latina is uh an online um latina women magazine okay. uh and you know basically uh kind of like um a people magazine for women Okay. And, you know, there's, okay. you know, there's style, lifestyle and health and all kinds of topics in there. And, uh, so I, one of the, um, my favorite articles or posts that I wrote for Hip Latina was an interview that I did with Monica Poig, 
uh, from Puerto Rico, the tennis player that won the gold medal uh, in for the Olympics, and that was right pretty fun. That's that's really cool. Yeah, that was really fun. I'm a tennis player too, by the way. I love tennis. I my next life, I would I'm going to be a tennis pro, uh, and so anything that has to do with um, you know tennis and health and exercise and all that. Um, like I heard you talk saying something about you just went to the gym and I'm like, I didn't make it to the gym today, but, uh, so, but I did play tennis. I had a tennis workout this morning. There you go. So at least you're getting active. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, tr I try to make it to the gym at least once a day. Uh, if I can make it three times a day, then I'm, I'm pretty happy. I'm not like three times only, a day. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I like to either run in the morning on like this treadmill or do the stairmaster and then lift weights and then go back and do like active stretching, like do some meditation, do yoga. Actually, I always tell myself I'm going to go to there and do yoga, but it's about maybe 30 seconds of trying it and then I'm like, wow, I'm not flexible for this. So then I just stretch and go sit in the hot tub. So uh, you know what I, I have to be honest i'm not a yoga person i think i'm in the minority i know a lot of people do yoga even my daughter loves it uh, she does some kind i mean i know there's different different um uh yoga systems or whatever you call that but um i i don't know i just i don't like it i like active more active exercise uh soul cycling is one of my favorites mm -hmm. Um, right on um, yeah that's awesome i guess that's why i stay young <laughs> hey they say what age is not a number it's a stay it's an attitude yeah. i don't know i don't know what you mean yeah yeah yeah. true why not you know I, I see i've seen i know this 80 year old man who like his health is not doing very well but he still thinks that he's like 45 and he's happy he might die tomorrow but he's happy oh yeah well i play with against women that are probably 10 15 years older than me and they are out there and i think it's great and i was like hey i want to be playing tennis when i'm 82. so go. i think it's great yeah this guy carl he is still like fixing up like muscle cars and like getting underneath and I'm like, dude, you just had knee surgery. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Mowing his lawn. I'm like, come on, man. I, I can mow your lawn for you. But hey, <coughs> hopefully when I'm that old, I'll I can be doing that. I sometimes get out of bed and I turn 26 on Sunday and I'm like, ow, my back hurts. <laughs> so uh <clears throat> anyway. how did you decide to do this podcast? How did I do this? So yeah. Let's interview you for a minute. Let's interview me. Okay. <laughs> um, that's interesting. So for me, I, uh, I always wanted to do a podcast. You know, my, one of my first mentors, he could tell that I like had trouble reading. Like I dropped out of high school. Like I basically made it like the seventh grade and that was it. Um, you know, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, like I'm a recovering drug addict, alcoholic. Um, and so he suggested, like, why don't you try listening to podcasts to learn? I'm like, I don't even know what a podcast is. This was like seven, eight years ago. Um, and then once I found the content that I wanted to learn about, I was like, man, this would be really cool. This, this would be really cool. Um, and then I was always in fear, always in fear, never. Like I would like record episodes and like wouldn't publish them or just <laughs> like I would delete them and like forget about it. And then finally, um, so July, 2018, um, I almost killed me and my ex fiance in a car wreck. Uh, it was purposely, um, we were coming down off methamphetamine and we got into a fight and it seemed like a good idea. Thank God she grabbed the wheel and saved us and the random family. But after that, I realized, um, one, like, I need to get clean and sober again. Two, I was in a codependent, toxic relationship that literally, 
I, it was so toxic. I almost killed us both. I woke up in the ICU four days later. Um, and like my, my purpose comes from my pain. And like, I always want to help and inspire people. So if I can inspire one person to like do something, that's, that's what I want. Like I, you know, I've been homeless twice. Um, last year when I was living in Vegas, we got evicted. So I was homeless there. I was homeless when I was 17 living in Spokane, Washington. Um, I don't have a high school. I didn't have a high school education. Um, I have some college education now, but I started my own business. I failed because I'm not the greatest accountant. Um, but like, it doesn't matter what our backgrounds are. Right. We can overcome anything mm -hmm. as long as we put our minds to it. So okay. I just want to inspire people. Like I, um, being a drug addict dropout who started his own business and um, it would still be going if I was a better accountant, but that's my own fault. Um, that's my own fault. But like anything can happen. I, I know people who have like gone to prison for identity theft and now are accountants at banks. It just like, what's our story? You know, we're all vulnerable. We all got personal struggles. Everyone struggles with some form of anxiety, depression, mental health, um, you know, like being, you know, at different races, just whatever. Um, Absolutely. My, you know, <clears throat> my ex fiance, she is Asian. And like, I never realized uh, like how good I had it as a white male. I just, it didn't even like occur to me we, when she would be driving the car, she, we would get pulled over all the time, not because her driving was bad, but just being an Asian in Montana. Right. And it just, it really like, it opened up my eyes. Like I, I didn't realize that white privilege was a thing. Like it just, you know, so, and I want, you know, I just want to hear those stories. Like how did people overcome these? Like, just because, you know, somebody might have a struggle who might be successful or like, how did they become successful? Well, bottom line, I just want to inspire, inspire people um, and, and learn. Like if I'm going to be the best entrepreneur that I can be, why not learn from them? And then through that experience, I just, it kind of has like carved its way into just talk about life and struggles and business and careers or whatever. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question. But. Well, it did. It did. And I give you a lot of credit for um, wanting to um, evolve and rebuild your life and start over. And, you know, we all have a story and um, why not put it out there? because you never know who's listening. And, um, you know, I, I used to kind of not want to talk about it. I mean, so, something that until recently, um, I really never talked much about it. Only people that are immediate close to me knew. I had thyroid cancer when I was 27. I had just gotten married. Uh, six months before that and I had major surgery you know oh. right and my poor husband almost had a heart attack um but um you know and I had to deal with that um they took all my thyroid out so that first year after my surgery I had to um learn how to live with no thyroid by taking this medication that they, the hormones that they had me on. And it took a while to find the right, I thought that was my husband's uh, computer, but it was obviously mine. I'm so sorry. Um, no worries. So um, anyway, um, you know, it's, I don't, not that I want to hide it. I didn't want to hide that I had had cancer. I just didn't think that it was important. Um, so lately when I now become more involved in, you know, raising funds for cancer and getting, you know, and, and do that kind of philanthropy work is when I'm like, yeah, 
I, I did. I had cancer. I survived it. And I want to like, I feel like I, now I, I, I'm more confident to tell my story mm-hmm. uh, because maybe it can help someone else. Exactly. So yeah. I, I commend you for, uh, for what you're doing. Um, I listened to a few of your podcasts and um, I, of your episodes. And um, I think it's, it's, it's a good thing. And I hope that you continue in this path. You know, here's the mom talking. You know, I have a 27-year-old and a 30-year-old. So um, I tend to young people that I have the privilege of meeting, um, I kind of tend to be the mother hen. Well, I appreciate the kind words. And I appreciate you sharing um, your story with me that uh, I did not know. Yeah, and you know what? I'm going to tell you something interesting. So... Um, I have the surgery, um, the nodule that I had was like as big as a nail. So it was really small, but obviously the surgeon saw that it was, they haven't tested by the way, at this time, Mm -hmm. uh, because they had to send it in. And then three days later in those days, maybe, uh, maybe, um, results come faster these days. I don't mm-hmm. know, but, um, but you know, we're talking about 35 years ago. He did left me in there, went outside to where my husband and my dad was. And my dad was a doctor. He was also a surgeon. So mm-hmm. my dad was there and he's like, you know, I took the nodule out. It doesn't look very good. I would rather take the whole thyroid out instead of waiting for the result and then having to open her again. So this guy was uh, Dr. Donovan. He was at the time the guy to know if you had anything thyroid. He had uh, written articles for the uh, medical journals and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So I was in really good hands and I ended up going to him by referred to another doctor. Mm -hmm. So I was very lucky to have had uh, him be my surgeon. So um, fast forward three days, the results come and it was malignant. So they, you know, we were doing the right, they, he did the right thing, then goes into, you know, taking the right, trying to find the right medication. And because if you don't have the right medication, you know, the, the thyroid is a thermostat in your body. So you're feeling lethargic and tired. You have no interest in sex, really. I mean, it's, it, not pretty. And I just got married. So yeah. anyway, it took a little while until I got the right doses. And uh, so about 18 years later, my sister had it. Oh, wow. And by then they did just a partial. And another lady, another one of my childhood friends that lived in the same neighborhood, she also had it. So, you know, we all think that it had to be with the, to do with the environment uh, that we were living in, in that little hometown that I grew up with, uh, I grew up in. And, um, but the interesting thing is that maybe about not quite 10 years ago now, um, I was back home for the holidays. Everyone was sleeping. It was just my dad and I in the kitchen. And we just, you know, we're talking about, you know, how the year and we hadn't seen each other in a year, but, you know, we talked to each other all the time, but um, somehow we came up about my thyroid thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, here he's telling me this, that, and the other, and then he goes, and, you know, when we found out that it was malignant and I looked at him and I go, what, what do you mean it was malignant? And he's like, don't you remember the results? I had completely, Robert, completely blocked it out. Oh, really? I did not remember. I started bawling, like crying, hysterically crying. He said, it's okay, it's okay, it's, it's all done now. It's like, I, I did not remember. I did not remember. Oh, wow. But I think that sometimes, you know, we, things that have, are, are traumatic to us, mm-hmm. we kind of tend to, put away like block him away yeah and it wasn't until later it's not until maybe later that it you know someone makes a comment or something triggers and then you kind of remember oh my gosh how how stupid was i how come i not remember that so 
anyway. Well, that I thought I'd share that. Oh no, I appreciate that. that. You know, it's still a pretty traumatic experience being 27, just getting married. Like yeah. any kind of cancer that, whatever it may be, big or small, like the, the you hear cancer, it's pr- exactly traumatic. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So, like, yeah. Was there any like coping mechanisms that you did to get through that time? You know, I think I. I'm a very spiritual person. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up Catholic in a very tight knit family. Um, going to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. I went to parochial school in my life. So my my faith, I think, was strong enough. And my husband is Greek American. He grew up in the Greek Orthodox Church. They are also very spiritual mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So that really, I think someone asked me the other day, Oh my God, you guys have been married for 35 years. And I'm like, yeah. And you know, it's hasn't been peaches and cream all these years, but I think our faith kind of keeps us together. We go to church every Sunday. Uh, In fact, this past Sunday we didn't go. And he's like, I think God is going to be okay. (laughs) We go every week, (laughs) but, uh, but you know, uh, and I think that has, has kind of been my compass mm-hmm. my whole life is my faith yeah um, you know in the ups down ups and downs um you know um i try to stay positive and i try to to live my life kind of like okay well this not work out today but maybe tomorrow something you know if, if a door closes maybe a window's going to open later or if a window closes a door will open something like that um and that's what i you know i try to we try to teach our children too um so yeah i I love that i know so back on you being a parenting expert i know that like there's a thousand or more different scenarios (laughs) but if you could give a new parent who is in a biculture, bilingual household, what would it be? Um, to not be stressed. You know, parenting is a stressful job anyway. Mm-hmm. It's probably the most rewarding job anyone could ever have, but it comes with challenges. And we just have to like take a deep breath and take it one day at a time. You know, um, some, sometimes uh, a, a mom would say, oh my gosh, you know, I, I feel bad. I, I, I forgot to, you know, I didn't speak to my kid in Spanish yesterday and, and I know I should be doing it all the time. And she's all frazzled. And I'm like, you know what? It's okay. You know, if you didn't do it today, then start tomorrow. Uh, you know, don't, because what happens is as parents, when we are stressed and frustrated, and you know this is the example we're giving our kids so then our kids are going to take our cue of how we act how we react how we feel uh, all, all that stuff so we just have to take it one day at a time don't stress don't be so hard on yourself you know parenting is hard especially when people are working outside their home and then they come back home and then they have, you know, and then, you know, there's the reading and the homework and the cooking. And, you know, so parents need to cut themselves some slack, you know, it's, it's okay. It's all going to work out. And we just have to, you know, there's so many resources these days for parents. They should be looking at all that all the time. And, update information and Mm -hmm. and you know just like we said like you know i started doing this um this parenting talks i have wish me luck i have the first one on saturday i hope a lot of people come uh but um you know it's it's just like we send our kids to school every day we need to also educate ourselves and you know read about what's the most updated information out there and you know what I could be doing and because there's a lot of information today there's a lot of resources and a lot of tools that parents my age didn't have we had to come up with it we had to figure it out without you know having 
maybe there was Dr. Spock and, you know, Brazelton was the, the other pediatrician that had a book. And so we used to look at those, but for, in Spanish, there was nothing. So anyway. Yeah. I, I don't know about Spanish, but if I need an answer, I can just. Exactly. Right exactly. So, well, you know, you can learn Spanish. There's a lot of apps and places. This I, day. Know, <laughs> I, I know. I know. Mean, and that's the thing is like, you can learn or, or it doesn't have to be Spanish. It could be any other language. You can learn a language at any age. Yes. Um, and after uh, I got done interviewing Natalie, I have been slowly listening to more like Spanish podcasts. Oh, well, you need to listen to mine then. <laughs> yes. No, I, I totally will. I probably won't be able to understand it. But, <laughs> no, you won't. Um, I, I've been, you know, trying to slowly learn. It's a very slow process, but uh, I'm, I'm trying. You know, my husband uh, in high school, he, he grew up in Ohio. And for some reason, in those days, they had German as, as a second language. So he learned German instead of Spanish. And then he ended up, you know, marrying me and working in California. And, you know, in Spanish would have been a great thing for him to, to be able to be fluent in. Uh, but anyway, so you never know. You know, life, life takes you in all these different directions. I honestly never in a million years would have, if you would have asked me 35 years ago, where are you going to be in 35 years? I would have never said California away from my family and all that. Never. Wow. That's interesting. Never. I, I came here to, for the purpose to study, to get my master's degree. And then I was going home mm -hmm. and, um, here I am. Here <laughs> I'm <are>. still here. <laughs> well, and then you met your husband. And then I met, yeah, I met Peter so, and that yeah. was that. So there you go. Um, there's a reason. Yeah, I know. He, also discovered California three years before I did, and he was never going back to shoveling snow. <laughs> oh my God. How do you handle it? Uh, yeah, it snowed last week. And it usually doesn't snow till like November, but we got, it's, yeah. I, I, I've been talking about moving forever in like, but I'm supposed to be in Helena, Montana for some reason. I'm supposed to be here. Now, I, did you grow up there? I did. Oh, okay. So you went I, back home. I, yeah, I went back home. Um, went back home. My mom, she has MS. Um, mm -hmm. And she's basically handicapped. So, like, I want to be here. And my dad travels five days a week. So being close to her, um, if she needs something, is something that is important to me so and it should be and i'm very proud of you for being there our, our son is wonderful and he's traveling a lot for work uh recently so we don't get to see each other sometimes three weeks and you know but we talk each other on every sunday and wow. and that means a lot to to me especially in my culture we all grew up you know it's all the touchy feely and uh, all that, and so um, yeah, I it means a lot as a mom. I'm sure it means so much to your mom that you're there. So I I'm very happy that you're doing that. Thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. I every time like I was about to move um, a couple months ago, just to a different city, just to Bozeman. I figured if I'm gonna be in Montana, I'll be an hour and a half away. Bozeman's, they call it Bos Angeles. It's oh, really? so, I've never been to Montana, actually. Well, don't come in the wintertime. <laughs> like, no, you can come, but um, it's, yeah, like, Bozeman, a bunch of people from L.A. and California are moving there. And it's blown up. Like, it's, in the last four years, like, a house went from, like, 200000 to 550000 Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, and just, it's. It's blowing up. Like it's nothing like LA, but for Montana, it's a lot of things are happening over there. Um, uh, uh, is there um, is there a Hispanic population there at all? There is. There is. Um, I don't know how much, 
Mm-hmm. But I, when I was thinking about moving, well, I moved down there for an hour. That's a whole story. But I think a couple months, it was a couple months ago, I just happened to go to the McDonald's and I was probably the only white person in that McDonald's. Oh, interesting. And that is something very different for just to experience up here. It's uh, happening everywhere, really. But it's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, and I thought that was really cool. I'm like, yeah, like I love diversity. I love different cultures. I love it. And like, especially in Helena, like it's, we're slowly coming around, but it's just like, it's very, very, we're, we're like 50 years behind and I don't like it. Like our mayor is from Africa. Um, and that like was a huge deal. Wow. Having, having a, black man from a different country be our mayor a lot of people are upset about it but like <laughs> i i think it's really cool um it's really cool and is he like, doing a good job he is oh good he oh, is good. Doing a good good job. Job. yeah i think the city of helena has gotten better since he's been mm-hmm. um and like having our gay pride parade uh in town is like a huge deal like usually helena like it was a whole event um, and like just having more diversity and culture and like, it just, it's since he's taken over, it's Helena has been a lot more relaxed on that stuff. And it's, it's cool. I don't like living in 1950 and nobody should. So yeah, no, exactly. No, I always say when I talk to parents that, um, you know, parents today are raising kids to be prepared and ready for a global society. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so important that we embrace this multiculturalism, that it's even if, even if the mom and dad are not, you know, they're American and they're English dominant, you know, if you live in an area like LA, for example, or New York or Miami or uh, Chicago, and there's so much culture and the different cultures in the, you know, there. San Francisco, that we should be exposing our children to that, you know, which is, you know, going back to what I told you earlier about, you know, having to explain what Puerto Rico was when I first came here, you know, I'm like, did you not study in school what, what it was and, you know, this little island and, you know, again, tell me why you're a territory of the United States and da 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 And, you know, I just feel like, we need to expose our kids to all these different cultures out there mm-hmm. because they, when they go knocking and they're going to fill out applications for jobs, um, it's going to help them a lot if they know about other cultures, even yeah. if they don't speak other languages. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. You know, I also feel like. My children are the people that they are today because they grew up with different cultures. Um, right. I feel like they're tolerant, they're empathetic, they're more compassionate. They see everybody the same. My sister, my, one of my daughter's best friend is, is gay. Mm-hmm. And he is, I mean, they are very, they're like brother and sister. They're very close. Mm-hmm. And to my sister, my daughter and and my son, he's like part of the family. You know, they just, they don't see that he's a gay guy. Yeah. They don't see that. They just see him as part of, and, and like that with every other, you know, people that they meet. Mm-hmm. So I just think that that's what we want to raise. We want to raise children that are accepting of others and that respect others. Right. And like, what makes me better than you and what makes you better than me? Like we're exactly. all just a child of God, whatever your God may be. Exactly. We're here human just because it's just, it blows my mind. Like I used to get beat up in school for being bi, um, like all the time. And like for me to come out to my parents or anyone in my family, like it was, I, it was hard. I and bet. Like, like accepting accepting that my sister brought home a black guy from college 
and like my great grandma almost had a heart attack. <laughs> like, yeah, my sister was uh, and this uh, African American young man. That was, this is even years more, even more, you know, long, long time ago. But I remember my mom was like, "Oh my god," and I think in my case it was because my he, her sister had married a, a, a black man and in those days it was like you know she was being criticized and judged and all that stuff and she didn't want that to happen to my sister to have that life uh but you know i i i don't care i mean if my daughter walks in the door and she has an african-american boyfriend that's okay you know i just we're all we all deserve a chance, you know, okay. just because of the color of your skin, I'm not going to say, well, oh my God, really? No, I don't even know you. Why don't I get to know you before, like we were talking earlier, before I reserve, you know, I make any comment about you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, um, and that's, that's the children that we need to raise. We need to raise those children. So yeah. they go out there and they promote goodness and accepting and respect and, um, and, you know, they see everybody the same and not different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I totally agree with that. I, I see high schoolers um, that are like out, like in Montana, being out of the closet in high school when I was in high school was not a thing. And now like, it's just, it's, it's really cool. And now that like we're getting more like diversity in Montana, it's, it's the acceptance is, is slowly getting there. And I, I did like one, it, nobody has like, we shouldn't even be having to go through that process, but it is what it is. But I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. Um, so a couple last questions. The big one is <laughs> what's your message to the world? I think that would be it. Um, less raised children that are ready to compete in a global society. Um, let's make sure that they are accepting and respecting others. Um, and, um, you know, that we just see everybody the same and we don't see, in, instead of seeing people's differences right away, Let's just look at similarities. Mm -hmm. what, what, what do we all have in common? What do I have in common with that person that just walked in the door? And instead of, you know, immediately going for the negative, let's, let's look at the positive. And, and, you know, those are the type of children that we should be raising. Children that, that see the world and they see themselves inside that world and that they can contribute to a better society. Love it. Love it. So if you want to get a hold of you or follow you on social media, where what's your plugs? <laughs> uh, well, I think the easiest one is going to be in on Instagram and it's Latina Boomer Mom, because I am a boomer mom. Uh, so Latina Boomer Mom, one word. And then um, in all the other medias, uh, including uh, my website, it's my whole name. And um, that is probably something that you should put in your comments because it's too long. But it's mariterodriguezbelas.com or .com. And my last name is spelled B-E-L-L-A-S. Uh, my husband is Greek-American, and so I inherited his name, but I kept my spanish last name there too love it love it i'm, I'm gonna try and pronounce your name <laughs> marietta bellas mari tere mari 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 tere yeah tere. very good Yay. Ah, okay. All right. <laughs> thank you um cool well thank you I appreciate it. Do you have any last words? No, thank you so much for the opportunity. I really enjoyed talking to you and you keep producing this great episodes and I wish you the best of luck 
And uh, yeah, learn a little Spanish so I can interview you in my podcast. <laughs> Deal. Deal. And what's the name of your, of your podcast again? Mamas 411. Mamas 411 podcast. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Love it. All right. Well, thank you again. Have a good one. And take care. Okay, sorry. Nope, nope. All right, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Now, go find Tyler Michael Chauncey on Instagram. If you guys want some of the dopest swag out there for life or just gym swag then you need the create line. So Michael, she's a personal trainer. She is a two times online business coach. She's even a guest on the none of your business podcast. So if you want to support the create movement, find Tyler Michael Chauncey on Instagram, just DM her and she will give you all the information to buy some of, of her dope swag. So it's T Y L U E R underscore M I K A L underscore C H A N C Y. Now give her a heads up, let her know that I sent you, and go buy some dope swag because you need it. Your styling options terrible, so have Michael just fix it.